It is that time of the day, 11.30. Tyler Cavalli along with you, which means it is time for midday. Of course, Jason Jorgensen is here. Brandy Bennett's filling in for the very busy Bob Rogan. We'll hear from him and business report in a preview just a couple of moments. But as always, let's start with the farm team and our own Susan Littlefield. Well, thanks, Tyler. Here's what's happening on a midday from the farm team. I'll kick everything off at 1219 as I speak with Common Ground member Joan Ruskamp. She's from Dodge, Nebraska, and we talk about the involvement of that kernel of corn and that beef you find on your plate. Then at 1245, I will talk about the Ag Lunch Program that is taking place throughout the state this year, virtually for fourth graders. And there still is room teachers to sign up your fourth grade class. And then Chabella wraps everything up at 117 as we talk soils and drought, especially the effects on the soils, nutrients, and the wheat yield. That's a midday from the farm team. Thank you very much, Susan. Uh, let's turn it over to sports. Our own Jason Jorgensen, and uh, let's just get this out of the way. Uh, the Chiefs won again. They did, and from what I saw on Twitter last night, I thought maybe Patrick Mahomes was walking on water. Uh, all the superlatives, people just—I mean, already saving a spot in Canton. Mm-hmm. And then I see the ESPN announcers; uh, they were screwing up his name, and his mom was tweeting about that, saying his name is not Pat; it's Patrick. They were saying Pat quite a bit, so, so I don't get that. Yeah, okay, all right. So, so but when Mama Bear gets on Twitter, you better no. notice he was the all-time fastest at ten thousand passing yards, despite missing several games last season. And yeah, we'll see. Listen, if I have to admit, he is a solid, is solid quarterback. Uh, passing Kurt Warner, right, who had it, I think, had the fastest to 10,000 yes. at one point. Okay, all right. So, Chiefs win again. They're undefeated. That is an impressive victory. I can't believe they were actually a three-point underdog. And they left how many points on the board after a fumble and a missed field goal, missed PAT? It could have been a lot worse. Uh, other winners, Tampa Bay, Lightning, and the <laughs> NHL. Uh, oh, the NHL still Cup. playing. I'm sorry. And... Major League Baseball playoff right. action begins yeah, yeah. today with four games. Good luck finding your favorite team on the myriad of channels that they're using today. I can't even believe they're using ABC to air baseball this afternoon. I didn't think I, I didn't see that. Yeah, wow. so ABC and ESPN. I I can't remember baseball being on ABC playoff times the early nineties. Wow, and not during the day, I know. Okay, all right. But when everybody gets in, you've got, you got to find some slots. Uh, everyone except our Rockies and Royals get yeah. in. Uh, but, uh, yeah, okay. So four games today. Mm-hmm. All right, four very Four today for the American League, and then they'll continue on. Speaking of the aforementioned Royals, <laughs> from September the 3rd to the 27th, they were tied for the best record in baseball. They did play some good baseball, although no one it's plays encouraging better, meaningless games in September every year than the Royals. Man, why you gotta throw the stake in my heart oh. like that, man? Come on. At least the Rockies get their great baseball out of the way early, and then we are used to them just sucking in the September, so, you know, whatever. But there are some good signs for Kansas City that this, this was not a total loss. No. They found a couple of starters, they found some guys in the bullpen, add a bat or two, I think they're competitive. It'll be all right. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Let's turn over to Brandon, uh, filling in for Bob Brogan. Uh, give us a preview for the business report. Speaking of things that are sucking right now, uh, it would be the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Uh, we started this about three and a half minutes ago, and it was down 196. It's now down 201 points, and mm-hmm. S&P 500 is down right behind it. It started off the day with the futures down about 66. So it's done nothing but go downhill. And at our 1253 business report, we're going to talk about a leading agricultural organizations and farmers that are going to support the Keep GPS Working Coalition. Very important for precision agriculture to keep GPS working, and there's groups out there that are trying to upend that. All right, thank you very much. All of that and more.
It's fall, which means that we're about to fall in line and deliver lunch to hungry grain truck drivers in central Nebraska. Keep an eye out for us. We'll be driving a Pony Express Chevrolet pickup with the best barbecue and beef around from Skeeter Barns and an ice-cold bottle of water. Get ready for a full belly and to fall in line with KRVN, The River, Cami, and... Skeeter Barnes, the best steaks and barbecue south of I-80 in Kearney. Pony Express, Chevrolet, Gothenburg, and Pony Express Ford in Minden. And Downey Drilling in Lexington, Kearney, and Garden City, Kansas. 1144 here at KRVN, and our own Scott Foster is now joining me for regional ag weather. And, well, we're starting to see a nice warm-up so far this early afternoon compared to what we saw this morning. You know, this is the heckle and jive, heckle and, and hide, Jekyll and... <laughs> Want to try that a third time? Yeah, it's the Jekyll and Hyde. That's what I was going with uh, of uh, this time of year. Fall is that way. You know, we'll have very nice afternoons, and then it'll get chilly. Right. When I came in this morning, we had temperatures alliance at 28 degrees oh. this morning. And, you know, a lot of folks had some frost. We didn't have any frost in this area, but uh, certainly it got cold enough to do that. Mm-hmm. So, but I like this weather a lot. I like the Christmas. You're not a fan, apparently. <clears throat> no. I, again, I always say this. I grew up in the mountains in Colorado. Right. You had cold temperatures, eight, uh, what is it, 10, 11 months out of the year. You had literally one month where it wasn't. Even in the summers, it was cold up there. So right. I, I just don't like it. You know, half my life, whatever. You want it, You you want some consistency? I do. I, okay. want, I want seasons. And okay. so I get that here. And I, I kind of enjoy that at least right. a little bit for the most part. Uh, but... Are we done with the 90s? We had 90s last yes. week, but I, I have a feeling that we're probably done with those in 2020. I think we are, although next week is going to warm up a little bit. Uh, and so we could, we, you know, maybe some places will push it. We're going to push 80 today. Sure. So uh, it is goofy. It's just a strange thing, but uh, it's good for harvest. It's been a great yep. time to harvest. And so, so that's really good. Let's take a look at our, our ag weather in the Midwest. A frontal boundary brought some rain in the last few days that caused harvest delays for for corn and soybeans along with winter wheat planting. The small percentage of wheat already in the ground will benefit from the increased topsoil moisture. The DTN Ag weather forecast calls for the western Midwest to be mostly dry Tuesday with isolated showers north for Wednesday and Thursday, then mostly dry again Friday. Isolated to scattered showers are expected on Saturday. For the eastern Midwest, isolated showers in the north for today. Isolated to scattered showers for Wednesday and Friday, then scattered showers again in the west late on Saturday. Temperatures will fall significantly in the Midwest, leading to frost potential across the northern middle to late week. And this may cause some rapid maturation of crops across the region. But we're not talking about a hard freeze, so that's probably okay right now. Let's look around the globe. In Argentina, moderate to heavy rainfall across much of the country this weekend, boosting soil moisture for many central areas and in the south. This will benefit developing wheat and prepare soils for spring planting, though it will not be enough to reverse the drought yet. Showers will focus over northern areas this week along a stalled frontal boundary. For the Canadian prairies outside of some isolated showers in the east, most areas will be dry this week with unencumbered harvest progress. In China, recent showers maintained adequate to surplus soil moisture for filling corn and soybeans in the northeast but crops should be coming closer to maturity and drier conditions would be more favorable 
Scattered showers will likely delay maturing corn and soybean. Overall, favorable conditions are found in the south for rice and sugar cane and in the north China Plain for wheat, winter wheat and rapeseed, rapeseed planting. Finally, in India, uh, monsoon moisture continues to withdraw from India and uh, showers are becoming much more isolated across the northern and western areas of India. Still some late showers can be counted on in the east. At least somebody's uh, getting some rain showers. No it kidding. has been a while for us. And again, because it is so dry, the winds are picking up a little bit today. It's going to be warmer. The fire danger yes. is an issue, so just be mindful of that. Yeah, no, don't burn anything in the open right now. It's still it's just kindling mm-hmm. and with those winds and stuff in the moisture, or excuse me, the humidity is very, very low. Tell you what came back from Denver yesterday, northeast Colorado. Oh my gosh, a lot of those pastures there. In northeast Colorado, it's dry as it is usually. But some of those pastures look like sand, to be honest with you. I mean, it, it's just so dry out there. So uh, hopefully we get some precipitation in the near future. We do. It's 60% of Nebraska is now in drought. Mm, so Not good. Yeah. For more weather, where can you find that at? You can go to krvn.com. Thank you very much. When you think Nebraska, you think corn and beef. And right now the corn harvest is getting underway across the state. And that corn is going to play a vital role in the cattle industry. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I caught up with Joan Ruskamp. She is a former Beef Board chairman. She is also a member of Common Ground and Farms with her husband, Steve, outside of Dodge, Nebraska. She talked about the intertwining of corn and beef. Right. And for those of us who live around fields and and pens of livestock and, and barns, this is important information because, like you said, we see a lot of trucks going down our highways and gravel roads loaded with corn. And um, I, t- I just took a, an average closeout from, from our feedlot, and we normally buy 600-pound calves. That's about the weight of a calf when it is weaned from the cow. And we know that uh, places grow grass really well to raise those calves. We take that calf and bring it into a feedlot, and then that cow can keep raising a calf every year on grass. We bring it to the feedlot, and in this particular group, they weighed 600 pounds, and we fed them until they weighed 1,500 pounds. means they gained 900 pounds while they were here. And uh, calculating all the, the feeds that we use that have corn in them, it's about 100 bushel of corn per head. Now, that might sound like a lot of corn, but what if we look further into how much beef does that end up being in that steer? That's 600 pounds of beef from one steer, which is 200 three-ounce servings, and that's a suggested serving for 25 grams of protein. 25 grams of protein is half of your protein nutrients for a day. So one three-ounce serving um, gives you half the protein you need each day. All right, if you were to eat the same amount of corn to get 25 grams of protein, you'd have to eat three cups of corn. For, that's a lot of corn to eat. Um, but here's the kicker. That three-ounce serving of beef only has 150 calories plus a whole lot of other nutrients. Corn has 534 calories and a few more nutrients, but not near the nutrients beef has. And so for us in places where we have grass or corn and cattle and other livestock, we have this incredible story that shows 
Livestock takes low-quality products and upcycles them into high-nutrient-dense foods for us to enjoy and, and live healthier lives from. You know, it always amazes me, Joan, how many times, if you think of that, that even that individual kernel, how many different hands that kernel goes through before it ends up in your feedlot and then in the end on somebody's plate at their dinner table. It does because it takes a whole lot of us to bring food out, you know, from, from the geneticist who's developing those different seeds. Um, we have on our feedlot, we hold all our water, which also contains nutrients. And so we like to use corn as a continuous crop um, and alternate soybeans when we can. That means we need a corn kernel that can defend itself from some pests like rootworm. And um, thanks to the, the breakdown of, of our chromosomes in corn, <laughs> we can actually help uh, develop a trade in corn in the laboratory that's specific to target that versus waiting years and years to randomly get it through um, crossbreeding that has been done for centuries. That's Joan Ruskamp. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. News Jason Jorgensen is now in. and Well, Jason, there was a, a nice Monday night football game on last evening. There was. Go figure. It it wasn't the dog that normally Monday night football games are. Speaking of dogs, uh, Thursday night football is a dog of a game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those something's got to give games between the Broncos and the Jets. Yeah, that, that I am not looking forward to at all. <laughs> anyway, it was a Monday night masterpiece for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs as the defending Super Bowl champions looked good last night going on the road thumping Baltimore. 34 to 20. Just about everything Mahomes did worked against an overmatched Baltimore defense. That coming in had been pretty good. Mahomes threw for four touchdown passes as Chiefs ended the Ravens' 14-game regular season winning streak and extended their own to 12. Head coach Andy Reid feels the Chiefs also did a great job of slowing down Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. So many people did so many good things. Our defense just was bearing down against what I consider one of the best offenses in this league. And, um, you know, for them to, uh, you know, for our defense to do that, that that's something special. So. Here's an interesting statistic for you. Jackson is 21-4 and four as a Ravens starting quarterback, but three of those mm-hmm. losses have been to Mahomes and the Chiefs. Yeah, he mentioned during postgame that Kansas City is their kryptonite. They just cannot beat them. And at home last night, I figured, okay, there's a chance. I couldn't believe that the Ravens were a three-point favorite. Probably because you're at home, okay. but I, it doesn't matter at this point. You don't have home field advantage. No. Uh, not all the news in the NFL is good. The Titans and Vikings have shut down their facilities due to COVID. Tennessee reportedly had eight players test positive, putting this week's game with Pittsburgh in jeopardy. Hastings College, due to an uptick in potential cases and students in quarantine, they made the decision that all athletic events have been suspended through this weekend. That includes Saturday's football game against Morningside. In the last couple of weeks, the NCAA Division I Council approved moving the 2020 Volleyball Championship to the spring. Nebraska head coach John Cook says now that they have a date, they can make a plan for practice and for training. Reality is we're going to work back from April 25th and, and gear our training between now and then to give us the best chance to start off really well on January 22nd, which is the first opening weekend. 
uh, because right now we're anticipating we're going to be playing in the Big Ten, all Big Ten matches. So there is no room for error. It's hoped that Omaha will still get to host the Final Four that was originally set for December. Four playoff games in the American League this afternoon. First one starts in about a half an hour with Minnesota hosting Houston. Do you like that the MLB has expanded the playoffs, that more teams get in? What the heck? This year it doesn't really matter. What's going to be weird, though, is when they go to those little bubble sites, yeah. per se, for the, uh, the the semifinals or the, the championship series and then the World Series. That'll be weird. But they won't have to worry about the weather because True. the championship series will be down there in Arlington and they've got the retractable roof and all of that. So that makes sense, too. So good backup plan for Major League Baseball. And they found a way to pull off the season. So Right. Credit. Right. Very good. <laughs> That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. is the month for trout in Nebraska. Each fall, trout make a migration to city ponds and state parks across Nebraska. By truck and trailer, more than 50,000 10-inch rainbow trout find new homes in 43 easy-to-fish locations around Nebraska in mid-October. The trout comes from Grove Trout Rearing Station near Royal and Rock Creek State Fish Hatchery near Binkelman. Likely, wherever you are in the state, there is a trout fishing location within 50 miles of you. Nebraska Game and Parks Commission has a fish stocking report page listing all stocking locations for fall of 2020 on OutdoorNebraska.org. The American Civil Liberties Union of Nebraska is sending notices to thousands of felons informing them of their voting rights after learning that the state incorrectly notified an Omaha man that he wasn't eligible to cast a ballot. The ACLU launched the Public Awareness Project to ensure felons know whether they're qualified to vote in the upcoming general election. The group says it plans to mail nearly 9,000 voting rights packets to county jails and the homes of residents who received disqualification notices from election officials. Nebraska allows felons to vote after a two-year waiting period that begins once they finish their sentence, parole, and probation. The prosecution called Susan Loof, Sidney Loof's mother, as its first witness on the opening day of its case in the Bailey Boswell murder trial. Susan Loof testified that Sidney posted a picture of herself on Snapchat on November 15, 2017, with a message that said, ready for my date. The next day, November 16th, Sidney missed work. Special Prosecutor Mike Guinan asked Susan Loof what she did after that. We made some phone calls and talked to, tried to get a hold of um, some of her friends, and no one had heard from her that day, so we ended up calling the Lincoln Police Department. Did, uh, and what was the purpose of the call to Lincoln Police Department? We knew that they could do like a wellness check and maybe go check her apartment to see if she was there and if something maybe had happened to her at the apartment. Susan, her husband George, and Sydney's sister Mackenzie traveled to Lincoln on November 17th and met Lincoln police officers at Sydney's Northeast Lincoln apartment at 6601 Colfax. Special Prosecutor Mike Guinan continued his questioning of Susan Luke. What did you find when you arrived initially? Did was Where was Sydney's car? Sydney's car was still sitting in, in its normal parking place beside her apartment. Um, inside, uh, her purse was still in her apartment and her cat Mimsy was there and uh, just things things that if, if she was going somewhere for an extended period of time she things she would have taken with her I felt she would have taken with her 
The prosecution called nine witnesses on Monday, including several law enforcement officers who testified about their part in investigating Sidney Loof's disappearance. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. One of the exciting things you get to do as a fourth grader is go to Lincoln. You get to check out the Capitol, check out the stadium, and you get to have an ag lunch and hear about the importance of agriculture in Nebraska. But this year, it's taken a little twist. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Because of everything that's been happening with COVID-19, the AgSAC lunch program is going virtual via Zoom. Abby Durheim is one of the ambassadors for the program. She talks about what they're doing this year and why she's involved. So I am originally from Washington, or just south of Washington, D.C. So when I came to UNL my freshman year, it's something that a lot of the AgSAC lunch program is something that a lot of the upperclassmen at the time in the AgCom program were doing. And um, they were like, Abby, you should really get involved in it. And it's something I did as a, a kid, um, being involved in ag in the classroom and growing up in such a suburban and urban area. It was I was constantly talking about how people were connected to agriculture and so when the opportunity arose, I was quick to jump on it because I absolutely love being able to be with kids and share the story of agriculture and how their lives are connected to agriculture. And if I've always believed we can get kids to understand, it's a lot easier to get kids to understand something. And then they go home and their moms and dads ask, hey, what did you learn at school today? And if that's what they're telling them, we're one step closer to having more and more people agriculturally literate. And the fact that Abby is still in college makes her very relatable to these fourth graders. She talks about that. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And, you know, when the kids are either when I'm on Zoom or if I'm in person, it's something different in their day. They're excited about it. It's not the same mundane sitting in the classroom all day. So they're already excited to hear what I have to say and then to talk about something that they don't get to talk about on a daily basis just keeps intriguing their intention, their attention. So let's talk about that. This fall has had a little bit of a change up and you are going to be doing these uh, programs by Zoom versus being on the lawn in Lincoln. How's that all going to work for you guys? It's, uh, so I've completed two so far and it has actually been way easier than I could have ever thought possible. Um, And I think that it's going to allow us to connect with more and more kids um, because we aren't limited by the number of lunches that we have donated every year. Um, So it was really simple. The teacher just sits the camera up so I can see the classroom and the kid, and then I share my screen and they see my little PowerPoint that goes along with what I'm saying, but I'm still able to interact with them. I'm still able to answer their questions, um, ask them questions. The teachers can help me because, you know, I can, my box on the screen when I share my screen, super small. So the teacher kind of helps me out by calling out students that can answer questions or have questions and the kids are just really excited to learn and to see what's going on and how agriculture is affecting their life i've kind of you know tailored some different things and we have a lot more of like things that they repeat to to me based on like different facts i say like i love all of the different numbers that 
are inside of my presentation. Like Nebraska has 6 million cows and 7 million hogs and 9 million chickens that lay eggs. And the kids love those big numbers. And so we repeat all of those back or the food, fiber, and fuel are the three ways agriculture touches our lives every day. And like just those things that they can repeat back to me and kind of helps ingrain that into their brain, but also gives them an opportunity to be loud and silly and interact with me on Zoom. That is Abby Durheim. She is one of the ambassadors for the Ag Sack Lunch Program. Karen Brokaw is the Ag Lunch Program Coordinator, and she talks about the openings they have right now for more schools. We're excited to, to say that we do still have openings, so teachers, please get your reservations in. Um, we're offering virtual presentations in the fall um, because I don't think the schools are, are too excited about having doing field trips right now, so we understand that, but we still want to reach those fourth graders and still... Give them, give them that lively presentation where they can learn about the importance of agriculture in Nebraska. And we're able to do that with Zoom. So technology is helping us still be able to, to reach those students in a fun, lively way. Um, and they'll still be able to get the deck of cards. I can send those to the school so the teachers are able to, to send those home with them or, or use them in the classroom as well following the presentation. I know we just we have space available so for both for fall and for spring in person we hope we'll be able to do everything normal again in the spring um, but if not we'll know how that we can do it virtually and the neat thing is this year schools from all across the state of nebraska even those schools that normally don't make the trip to lincoln can participate if you'd like as a teacher or your fourth graders classroom to be a part of this all you have to go to is agsacklunchprogram.com that website again agsacklunchprogram.com and get registered i'm susan littlefield Rural radio network my son aiden has asthma secondhand smoke has triggered his asthma so badly he ended up in the emergency room and spent multiple nights in intensive care now he's on a whole bunch of medications. My tip to you is, don't be shy about telling people not to smoke around your kids. Call the Nebraska Tobacco Quit Line, 1-800-QUIT-NOW, 1-800-784-8669. Paid for by Tobacco Free Nebraska. Aired with the Nebraska Broadcasters Association and this station. It is time for the Midday Business Report, and Brandon Bennett has stepped in and well, things are looking a little bit better from when we talked about an hour and a half ago. It is amazing what the market has done today because the futures index overnight started off at about 66 lower. Then was it about a 187 lower when we started the roundtable an hour and a half ago. By the end of it, it was over 200. Got back up to 166 down. Is was at one point in time down 207 and now is back up to being down at 76.53 on the Dow Jones 30 Industrial Average right now. So it's been a fairly volatile day on Wall Street, but not terribly up and down. It hasn't really moved the needle a whole lot in terms of the overall market volatility. One of the things that um, there's a great article on MarketWatch.com about the historical significance of what the stock market does the day of a presidential debate, especially the first presidential debate, which is widely seen as one of the most important, because people will get in or usually out of the market the day of a debate, waiting to see who wins, 
and then will turn around and then jump back into the market or completely get out the day after, depending on the guy or, in this case, the gal from last year, whether or not that person wins. Interesting. I never thought about it. I hadn't either. Even as an historian, I had not put two and two together. But there are people that will jump into and out of the market on a particular day, which we know that. Sure. But then whether or not they believe someone is going to win a presidential debate, they'll do that and then see and then jump back in and out. So if you were a fan of prop bets, which, by the way, there is an entire market emerging for the prop bets tonight. And I'm not a huge fan of prop bets. I think they're more creative and fun. But uh, there's a lot of prop bets out there tonight for several bookmakers out of Vegas. Some fun ones, too, and interesting ones, I'm sure. But probably part of the reason, then, why we are seeing things fluctuating today and might see things fluctuate tomorrow, then, I would assume. Yes, very likely. And then, of course, we've got two more debates after this, so hold on. Leading agricultural organizations representing farmers and interests across all 50 states have announced their support for the Keep GPS Working Coalition. The Keep GPS Working Coalition was launched back in June to protect GPS users from harmful interference resulting from the FCC, the Federal Communication Commission's decision to permit Ladago Networks to operate a terrestrial wireless network on a radio band or a frequency band adjacent to GPS. The new coalition members include Agricultural Retailers Association, the American Soybean Association, the Equipment Dealers Association, Iowa, Nebraska Equipment Dealers Association, National Corn Growers Association, and the list goes on. The Federal Communication Commission's highly unusual order puts dozens of industries relying on GPS at risk while granting a single company, Legato, Legato, L-I-G-A-D-O, Legato, and its Wall Street investors a financial windfall at the potential expense of farmers. As part of the Keep GPS Working Coalition, new members from the agricultural sector will join about a half a dozen other groups, including the American Farm Bureau Federation, American Road and Transportation Builders Association, aircraft owners and pilots, and others in working to urge the FCC to reverse the, the Legato order. I can remember when a, when a former roommate of mine from college his first job out of college was working with Hemisphere GPS and Outback Guidance out of Hiawatha, Kansas. They were one of the first companies in the nation to put GPS systems into farm equipment. And at the time, I thought it was the coolest thing I had ever seen. I had never imagined such a thing. And now, of course, it's just standard equipment. And any new equipment you get is going to come automatically with it. It's like 15 years, and the, it's, it's just amazing. And then, of course, you heard the, the news yesterday. U.S. computer networks of major hospital chains have been knocked offline with a cyber attack. Universal Health Systems, which has more than 250 facilities across the U.S., acknowledged the outage Monday, but would not confirm whether ransomware was responsible. Doctors and nurses at affected hospitals and clinic are going back to the future. They're going back to the old-fashioned paper records mm. and describing what things must have been like all the way back in 1997 when they actually had to chart on paper and paper only. The company says no patient employee data records appear to have been accessed. The company also has hospitals in the U.K., but spokesman says the operation in that country were not affected. Do you think they still have the right paperwork hanging out somewhere, like in some storage closet? I would like to think at least they kept an old Word or Excel copy. Yeah, Because I will tell you that even though I do so many things on my phone anymore, mm-hmm. I still have an electronic copy of it somewhere. 
Smart. I have an archive. My wife calls it pack writing, but I'm an historian. I prefer the term archiving. I keep a record of everything just in case everything goes down. But is it really pack writing if you're doing it uh, in your email or on a computer? I really need you to help me with this argument at home. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's different when it's in uh, your garage or in your You know, for me, office. one one terabyte of space on Dropbox is nine ninety nine a month. That's the best $10 a month I spend. All right. One terabyte gets you an awful lot of space. I'm there with you. That's a very, a very there's your there's your plug not only for GPS systems but also now for cloud-based storage. They always create more storage. Yes. And it's cheaper by the day. Yes it is. All right, thank you very much. One thing that could help calm some of the coronavirus fears is a vaccine. Novavax is the company making headlines saying it will start phase three trials on 10,000 volunteers in the UK. But there are some issues here. Governors in blue states are weary of vaccines. Here in New York, Governor Andrew Cuomo says he's creating an independent body to review any vaccine because he says the approval process has become too politicized. He's saying he's not going to trust the FDA, a federal agency, because he essentially feels they're being influenced in some way by the administration. We're going to put together a group for them to review the vaccine. So. I can look at the camera and I said, can say to New Yorkers that it's safe to take. I want to make sure we know it's safe to take. In Connecticut, Governor Lamont is taking a similar stance. And Joe Biden has said he doesn't trust the president when it comes to a vaccine. Jackie DeAngelis, Fox News. Coronavirus. Fall is here and there's no better way to celebrate than at the 36th annual Apple Fest in Orleans. For this one-day event this year, come down on October 3rd and shop over 50 vendors. Stock up on fresh apples, apple and cherry cider, pumpkins, and more. The parade's at 10 a.m., and KRBN's Blazin' New Trails Chevy Blazer will be there. Then after the parade, the KRBN crew will take your registrations for a chance to win. Saturday, October 3rd, it's the 36th annual Apple Fest in Orleans. The September 24th U.S. Drought Monitor finds drought across much of Wyoming and into Nebraska. In fact, much of eastern Wyoming and western Nebraska haven't seen any notable precipitation since June. Bajesh Maharjan, Nebraska Extension Soil and Nutrient Management Specialist at the Panhandle Research and Extension Center in Scotts Bluff, says drought has a significant effect on soil and then the crops. Effects on the microbial activities because microbes, you know, once, once they hit, soil temperature hits uh, above 85 or so Fahrenheit, that's not very conducive for microbial activities, and since they play such a great role in our nutrient cycling in the soil, eventually uh, this drought does affect our soil and then crop production. Maharjan has been doing fertility studies in winter wheat across Nebraska, from Scotts Bluff and Sydney to the southeast regions. He talks about how a drought affected the crops this year. This year was really dry pretty much all across our wheat growing regions in the state except some spots in the southeast. Uh, precipitation drop, like for our Scotts Bluff Center, if I consider the wheat growing season, like September to July, our, our precipitation in the previous growing season was around uh, 17 inches. And compared to that, this year it was just little over 10 inches, so such a sharp decline in precipitation. Maharjan says one area where the drought hit hard was for the wheat in Perkins County. Perkins County was the one really stood out. Uh, last year, 
We had about 21 inches of rain in that area where we had a wheat fertility trial and the yield we received was were, you know, as high as 90 bushels. And this year, the precipitation in the winter wheat growing season was little under 14 inches. That really hit the yield. Uh, we got, I think, uh, less than 60 bushels, so more than, you know, one-third yield uh, decline. Maharjan says there are some things for producers to keep in mind when it comes to the soil for next year. As a producer, if let's say if I put some nutrients this year, and because of the lack of water, maybe crop then take off some of the nutrients that we applied. So it's really, really highly recommended that for coming season when you put in your new crop, look at the residual nutrients in your soil profile because because of the drought, most likely a lot of the nutrients were not taken up, you know. Specifically, if if you didn't adjust your input uh, based on the soil moisture, uh, so even the nitrogen, though it's mobile since it's been dry, uh, we may see pretty high doses of carryover for the next seasons. Nutrients, which may still be in the soil where next year's plants can reach them, include nitrogen and phosphorus. Maharjan says sampling the soils could save the producer on next year's costs. He says the weather is out of our hands, but the small things producers can do have an effect on health of their soils. But some of the small, small things we do over years might, you know, prepare us a little better in situations like this, you know, so so we can never overemphasize, you know, things like conservation practices such as, you know, less disturbance to the soil, leaving some residue cover for the soil, uh, all those uh, nice soil conservation practices eventually prepare us a little better for, for uh, climate situation like this, you know, when we are hit by drought. According to the National Weather Service in Cheyenne, Wyoming, the dry weather is expected to continue through at least the next couple of months. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella. Play Penn on the Rural Radio Network. Let's talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, I always get to talk to you once we have the settlements in, and the next time we talk, we're going to have more data out from the quarterly stocks report. But as it sits right now, it looks like the grains are seeing some selling pressure ahead of that. Is this maybe an anticipatory move for fund money to come back in and buy tomorrow? Well, I'd like to think so. You know, if you're long jeans, uh, specifically in hand, I think you want to see tightening of stocks, anything that would be, you know, pulling towards price, the need to price ration. Um, you know, crush has been very, very strong, and the exports, obviously, we know that started running hot. So I would expect, you know, it's hard to say expect a surprise. I think that's a little bit of an oxymoron, but I'm, I'm kind of ready for either an adjustment in the beans there or to be surprised in corn. Uh, I'm always scared of what I don't know, and what I really don't know is what that crop was last year. Uh, and I think you would, I wouldn't be shocked to see a, a surprise, you know, and that'd be huge, maybe 200 million bushels, 150 million bushels of, you know, disappearance from, uh, from the SEP1 report, uh, showing, you know, an adjustment of a crop lower. They've done that before. They did it in the March report. So those are the two things I'm expecting as, as, as well as a, uh, a tight Chicago wheat story. So I like buying Chicago wheat on KC and, uh, and maybe taking a shot on the beans, but maybe if you can get them closer to 980. 
And you're talking about that possible uh, drop in the 2019 corn harvest and the data that could come out there. That's been something that's been permeating through the trade here today. A lot of folks talking about it. Now, I've heard one broker talk about the fact that he looked at the CFAP payments round one, the fact that that wasn't completely distributed. Do you see any hint there that that could lead to USDA's decision tomorrow? Oh, I don't know. Well, I hope not. I think if they're going to distribute, they need to distribute. You know, at least if that's the way I'd interpret it. They've been pretty clear and direct on what they've intended to do. So I don't know if they'll they'll change it or not. I mean, politically, you, know, you start seeing corn rally to three eighty, and and you know, beans will go to ten and a half. It's pretty tough to make the case that uh, you know anybody deserves um, money. But that that's not really the point. The fact of the matter is, capital's coming the the farmers' way, both in the case of government payments and you know sales. So uh, I think that's that's pretty good for supportive price action although i do you know you look at a price gap down there on corn at 345 it's hard to think that we don't see that the numbers bearish tomorrow again john payne senior marketing analyst daniel zag marketing in chicago more at danielzagmarketing.com do remember though trading futures and options of volatile risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors consider those risks before investing again as we see here across uh, mostly red on the day chicago wheat though closest to unchanged on their front month contract but we did see several deferred soybean contracts actually end in the green you're listening to the rural radio network catch john payne as a podcast Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of Midday. If you missed anything, you can go back and listen to our Midday podcast sponsored by Duveni Motors. That is available at krvn.com and iTunes.